Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Panelists today, we have two special people uh, we know them well, but they are always special every time they're on this show. Catherine Monet, she's the Chief Executive Officer of the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans. And Ralph Cooper, he is the Community and Residential Veteran Services Coordinator, Cloudbreak Houston, LLC, and co-founder of the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans. Today's discussion is going to center around national disasters, extreme weather, and veterans experiencing homelessness. Uh, I want to thank both of you for your service to begin with, but thank you for uh, your service. Mm -hmm. Hello. So we're going to start it off with um, speaking to uh, Catherine. How are you doing today? Hello, Catherine. We are... Yes, yeah, so we are having a little technical difficulty, but uh, but we are. How about uh, uh, Ralph? How are you um, doing? Okay, Ralph. Yes. Oh yes, good to have you. And Catherine. Yeah, we were having some technical difficulty there, <laughs> but uh, Catherine. Yeah, Catherine, why don't you uh, start us up <laughs> with uh, telling us about what's going on with the uh, national disasters and extreme weather and veterans experiencing homelessness. I know Texas has been hit ext- you know, extremely hard. Uh, here in uh, uh, Illinois and Chicago, we look at the snow and we say it's, u- it's business as usual, <laughs> and we have to sort of kind of get through it. But uh, this is unusual weather down in the uh, southern uh, states um, and especially we look at global warming and those kinds of things now, so we don't know where all this is coming from, but there's a lot of suspicion around that. But despite that, we are in a reality, and it's what's it doing to the people who are on the ground. Yeah, well, I think that there are some really big challenges that anyone faces during extreme weather, right? But not mm-hmm. everyone really thinks about how those challenges impact someone experiencing homelessness. And so you think a lot about, you know, maybe you and I, right, if there's a hurricane coming or a tornado, right, you go and you stock up on bottled water and food and things to stay warm just in case. And, I mean, I think thing one is that costs money, right, that a person experiencing homelessness may not have. Thing two is that it's really hard to get to and from places when you're riding the bus or, you know, walking on foot. Thing three, you don't have anywhere to really keep any of those things, right? And thing four is even just, access to information sometimes to know that an emergency coming or an emergency is coming can be a challenge. Um, And that's just like preparation, right? During an emergency, I I think sometimes conditions can be even worse when you think about how to get to an evacuation site, knowing where that is even. uh, I think the challenges truly abound. And so we wanted to kind of talk about that and unpack that today. Oh, great, great. 
And, and Ralph, uh, what, what's been going with you as far as your experiences now, especially with, um, I know you've been in this business, you know, as Catherine has been in for quite a while, way before COVID-19 and way before, you know, this uh, ice storm that's uh, sort of ravaging the country. But what, what, are you, what are you seeing now? How are you um, perceiving things going on? Well, you know, as you know, I am right here in Houston, Texas. Yes, yes. So um, uh, I'm experiencing it firsthand through the fact that at my house we had a loss of, uh, of power and for several hours, nothing like the two and three days that my organization suffered on property, 500 units of housing without power, without water, men and women who were previously homeless having to deal with those issues. Um, you know, prior to my move into Houston, I was from Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. And, and uh, I married a woman from Texas, and she came to Boston to live with me for 13 years. Wow. And so she was ready because... <laughs> In Boston, this is like the norm, right? That's right, that's right. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but she was ready. She knew to, to wrap the pipes and put a bathtub full of water together. And um, I filled up the tank of the car uh, prior to. Uh, we had ample supply of bottled water. Uh, and right now we're under a, a boil water for the tap water. That's for safety uh, concerns, yeah, and, and that kind of thing, yeah. Well, I, I, I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and then moved to Illinois, so somewhere I lost some brain cells. I don't know why I went across <laughs> the country instead of going down to the islands. <laughs> but, uh, but that nor'easter is a, is a terrible thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Catherine, tell me a little more. You know, what, what's, uh, what are you seeing, you know, from your perspective? How, you, uh, how are you dealing with this whole issue um because you know we, we're seeing more and more of these events now you know where the weather uh turns um against us and uh, people have to sort of survive in that kind of environment so what are you seeing from uh, the people who are in that uh you know either homeless and then we also have a lot of people couch surfing you know from home to home mm -hmm. you know because they they are trying to find way of getting out of that kind of environment so I think that there are a couple of things, right? And I think the biggest thing is that communities and local emergency planners really need to think about not only the needs of, you know, the people that they're normally thinking about, people who are housed, right? But think about the needs of people who are not housed or people who are in congregate settings. And, you know, I think that can look um, a, lot of, well, a lot of ways in different communities. So we've seen some communities, you know, if there's advance notice, they're out there doing outreach days in advance and, giving everyone really clear information on how to evacuate, how to get assistance. You know, they're doing that in a multimedia form, whether they're out there in person, whether they're putting up flyers, whether they're trying to kind of work with organizations who have the, a rapport with the community, right, to make sure that folks know when they have a fair chance to get out and be safe. Um, I think some communities have really taken it to the next level and, have embedded people who are specialists on homelessness into their emergency planning departments and into the response team so that in the middle of a pandemic, if something happens, someone knows what to do, they're able to call, they're able to access resources and able to get people to help more quickly. 
But I think the last big thing to think about is that some communities, like in New Orleans, I think what we saw after um, the really big hurricanes is that they're looking at um, getting set up some predetermined safe spaces, right? So in the middle of a crisis, if a homeless veteran or homeless person says, hey, I don't want to evacuate, but then it gets really bad, like there are places where they can go to either find assistance or get transported to an evacuation point and really get the help. And I think Texas was a little bit different because it felt like, you know, this storm was something that kind of came out of nowhere and was, Mm -hmm. I think, a little bit harsher maybe than, you know, people thought it was. And the energy grid was, I think, the big issue there. But I think that there are some best practices that every community should think about implementing. And the onus shouldn't necessarily be on the vulnerable person who's already struggling with a million issues to figure it out themselves. Yeah, you know, because one one thing I want to ask both of you, it, it's and it just occurred to me, you know, we we have all this uh, these, these trillion dollar bills going through now for stimulus money, you know, because people have been impacted, um, you know, in their regular uh, way of life, right? Their, their jobs have, you know, uh, either gone away or they are struggling financially. Are there any special provisions that are out there for homeless people and for you know veterans? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a big uh, arena here, George Brown mm-hmm. Arena, mm-hmm. and these are for, this is open for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you need to be warm, you need to come in off the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Houston, you know, like I was telling you, our facility is, is 500 strong. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> It's men and women. So if you're going two and a half days without power, mm-hmm. without water, the temperature dips below single digits. Okay. And you've never, ever, ever experienced this before. Mm-hmm. There is no manual. There's no set of rules. Like in, in Boston, if a storm's coming, they can shoot out to us. Here's, you know, it's what we already know. Here's the do's and here's the don'ts. Right. There's no such thing as that in Houston because they have no way of knowing what, what to do or don't. So when pipes burst, when it gets so cold that you're suffering from hypothermia, I was just looking at uh, the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, 69 people have lost their lives either through hypothermia um, carbon monoxide. Um, I, I don't know if I said that right, but you know yes, what I'm that's talking right. about. Yeah, yeah, yes, I did. Uh, and um, and fires where they brought in inappropriate heating apparatus into the home. So these people, you know, perished. Hmm. And uh, you you know what? Really, I I, I got to speak about this. I'm really upset with it. This is an independent grid. ERCOT, E-R-C-O-T, is the the, the controlling factor. Mm -hmm. What was $30 per kilowatt hour is now going on upward to $3,000. You are kidding. A hundredfold increase. People are having a windfall at at a human being's expense. It's criminal. And this is totally run by the state. This is the governor and his appointed boards and so forth. This is a state-run grid. Hmm. Texas on when we 
And we used to be the the, the energy giants. We were the star of, of, of energy. They used to use us right. as an example. That's so, a, that's um, amazing. That's amazing. That's like a hundredfold increase in the price <laughs> from $30 to 3000 I mean, I can't. Who's going to be able to afford that? I, I, I can't think of anyone. <laughs> uh, one woman already said she got a $10,000 bill. Wow. That's just, that's, that's unconscionable in the middle of a crisis, you know. Um, and and what, one of the other things, too, is that, you know, we have a tendency to think, um, if someone is homeless, you know, that they are otherwise okay, right? <laughs> but we have people exactly. with dis- disabilities. We have people who have medical conditions that need, you know, medications, people who have diabetes, who are in the street, high blood pressure, you know, uh, strokes, right? And uh, trying to Whoa. get around in the snow and ice, if you're in a wheelchair and that ramp is iced, you know, how, how are you going to get anywhere? <laughs> Can't do it. So you end up staying where you are. Right. And so, yeah, and I, I just want to speak there. A Vietnam veteran mm-hmm. uh, from from Houston was on oxygen. And the story was, uh, Miss Monet sent me that story, actually, because I hadn't seen it. Huh. And when the electricity went out, his oxygen tank could run, run through an electrical uh, yeah. process. Right. Right. When it went out, uh, he made an attempt to get to his car. Mm-hmm. You know, run the motor and try to link up through um, through the engine uh, a cigarette lighter. Cigarette lighter, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, they have a plug there where you can plug in electrical stuff. Wow. And that's where they found him. My goodness. Trying, and he, he realized he couldn't do it, tried to get out of the car, and his wife found him in the position, one leg coming out of the vehicle, dead. Is a hero. Is a man who mm-hmm. served his nation, and mm-hmm. these people are making money. That's just, off of that's disgraceful. That's disgraceful. That um, uh, you know, a hero's life should end that way. You know, uh, looking for uh, the service. You know, from you know, from uh, you know, the go- the first the first duty of the government is to protect the people. Number one. I mean, it's in the Constitution. And it's it's a, it's something that should be done, and um, you know I don't want to get into the geopolitics of everything, but yeah, you know I people understand. shouldn't be. I know you know, <laughs> we shouldn't be leaving this town <laughs> when we're in the middle of a crisis, but I'll leave it right there. Uh, but okay. um, but you know as far as you know the uh, ideas uh, surrounding not having adequate funding, um, and 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 the sad thing that, that that I think the thing that really hits me like a knife is the idea that um, people have been in this situation for decades, right? So we have had homeless people who are living out in the cold do the deal with this every year, but now it becomes more of an issue when we start affecting the main population of people. But people have had to suffer through this stuff constantly. If it weren't for heroes like the two of you, you know, uh, Ralph and Catherine, um, we wouldn't even have um, that. You know, a lot of those homeless veterans wouldn't have anywhere to turn. And so, you know, I think that this is something that, you know, everyone should be involved in. All of us, you know, trying to support the kinds of programs that you are pushing forward 
and the policies that you're pushing forward to try to make sure that these uh, veteran, the veterans and the homeless population are taken care of appropriately. So, um, what you know, what would the two of you say, how can I get involved? How can a general person who's in this audience get involved to help? Go, Catherine. So I think that there are a couple of things, right? And I think my first thing is look out for your neighbors, right? If you're in an urban area and you clearly see someone who's unsheltered, right? Like they're human. They probably need help. Stop and ask them for help and see if you can look up, you know, your nearest shelter or your local outreach organization. There are some cities that have uh, numbers you can call and they'll, you know, send out blankets or send out someone to actually take them indoors if that's what they want to do. And so I think thing one is look out for your neighbors. I think thing two would be support your local nonprofits, right? I mean, they're all out there on the front lines. And, I mean, COVID hasn't been easy on any of them, right? And, I mean, if you have the means to and the privilege to have a house and some extra change, like, donate to them. Because I think, you know, people are struggling. It is expensive to care for people. And I think what we're hearing a lot of from our um partners and member organizations is that their food pantries are being depleted, you know, the supplies that they normally give out are being depleted, and they're looking to kind of refill that and get folks back on track. Mr. Cooper, what did I miss? (laughs) Well, you know, um, one of the things is that we know that the northern cities have homeless veterans, right? They have snow, they have ice, but they do a real good job. You don't hear about scores of veterans dying on the street from hypothermia or whatever mm. because they have systems to, in place that you can call and get someone off the street and into some help. Now, Houston, right now, we're under uh, an emergency situation, so FEMA is even involved. You can contact your local FEMA mm-hmm. uh, representative if in, in, in the Texas area where the, where this thing is devastating. Uh, and we have to come up with some sort of a manual mm-hmm. that says, you know, cause mm-hmm. just because Texas doesn't know how to handle situations like this doesn't mean others don't know. Others know and can help them organize a, a communication manual or document that every household should have because this is climate change. And, and and Boston had a higher temperature than Houston yesterday. Hmm. You hear me? Yeah. And, <laughs> That's and, amazing. And so, yeah. and, and so we need to have something that everybody can have. I expect that this is not going to be the last climate change mm-hmm. event for Texas. Yeah. Or maybe Florida's next. We don't know. But if we're not prepared... Mm-hmm then it's going to have the same result. Yeah. So that's what I would say that we need right away. Yeah, because, you know, two, one of the things you just hit on another topic I was just thinking about um, is that, you know, the Biden administration is now moving towards the uh, green economy and, you know, uh, green jobs, you know, for solar and wind and, and those kinds of things. And there was a, a mention that uh, the solar power actually – uh, uh, did um, you know? You know, adequate kind of adequate job, but the wind actually in Texas actually uh, was able to stand up to the whole issue 
uh, you know, uh, as far as the percentage that it normally yields, it's about 6% of your energy reduction uh, from what I heard. But I'm wondering if that's an opportunity for people who are homeless to be trained for jobs, you know, in the uh, green economy. Because maybe there's a a need for uh, the Biden administration to look at the homelessness situation and to support groups like yours, right, and to to support. I think that's a fabulous idea, Colonel. And, you know, um, we we would definitely support that, especially You've got people ready to go, previously homeless veterans. Mm-hmm. You, you know, as we found out, veterans uh, are very adapt. We can adapt to circumstances. We can work hard. And so if I, I agree with you, not only just for the entire uh, homeless population, but especially for men and women who put their life on the line. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, is there anything that you, uh, you know, that you would like to? Uh, I'm going to give each of you a, t- a, t- a turn because we have um, we have about four minutes to go or so. But what I wanted to do is for you to, you know, give me your um, synopsis of what what do you think we should be doing now? Um, at, you know, as a nation, you know, looking at homelessness in a general sense, since we have a new administration that's moving forward. And, Catherine, I'll start with you, and you can give me your view of what you think. <laughs> oh, we got four minutes for both of us. I could give you ten minutes. Uh, you probably give me ten hours, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think that there are a couple of things, right? And there are a lot of really great programs out there serving veterans facing homelessness. And I think to a degree there needs to be a little more fine-tuning, right, to make sure that the programs are addressing the needs of folks who may have challenges accessing them or populations that are really overrepresented. When you look at some of the numbers and take a really deep dive, right? I mean, we've talked about how black veterans are overrepresented. Um, We've talked about how women are one of the fastest growing populations of homeless veterans. We've talked about how, you know, the population is generally older and they're aging and need special assistance. Um, I don't think we've talked about this on the show, but transgender veterans is a really quickly growing population and not all of the programs at VA are well-suited to meet their needs. And so I think a lot about how we can refine those programs to make them work better. Um, We think a lot about affordable housing, right, and what a right to housing would actually look like. Like if, for example, someone was, you know, running into issues and they were just able to get a voucher, like if everyone who needed a voucher were able to get a voucher, and if we have the housing dollars to actually build affordable housing to scale to support that, I mean, I think garnering support for those two things would be incredibly wonderful. Um, We think a lot about the role of employment, right, and how we combat employment discrimination against people who are exiting homelessness or how we create more opportunities. Because there are a lot of companies who are out there saying, yeah, I want to hire veterans, but they want your, you know, newly transitioning veteran that's still got their top secret security clearance and is very interested in cybersecurity. And that's not the bulk of who we're serving, you know, in terms of, the veterans who are exiting homelessness. And so I think we spend a lot of time also thinking about, you know, income, employment, and sustainable solutions so that people can not only get housed, but they can actually afford to stay in their housing. Oh, excellent. I want to piggyback, I want to piggyback on, on, on the housing issue that uh, Ms. Monet brought up. Every person in America needs to call their congressperson, their senator, and tell them that yeah. we need to support and increase low-income tax credit. That mm-hmm. is the one most important housing, low-income housing tax credit 
is one of the building blocks for building affordable housing. I mean, I, you know, right now we're talking about the crisis and getting food, shelter in, but down the road, we need to be able to build permanent housing yeah. so that people can move from transition into permanence. And home ownership, we cannot forget that. That veterans, right now the banks want you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your commodities. You got guaranteed money. That's right. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, you know, uh, we are so honored to have you as a partner, NCHV, um, uh, you know, the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans. And uh, what you do every day, we have to applaud uh, very uh, highly. And uh, we are going to, um, you know, have you back, of course, again and again, because this, uh, this issue is not going away anytime soon. So thank you for your input. And uh, I want the uh, listening audience to stay with us. And thank you, thank you again, Ralph and Catherine, for a wonderful, wonderful show. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.